wait for that cart to go rattling by. Uh, hold for cart. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, like I said, this is part of the charm. But only part of it. You're listening to Open Books, a show about bookstores by people in bookstores. I'm your host, Charlotte Kolaluka from Mystery to Me in Madison, Wisconsin. For today's episode, I took a stroll down Madison's very own State Street to talk to Gretchen True, co-owner of A Room of One's Own. Yes, some bells should be ringing when you hear that name, not only because it is also the title of one of Virginia Woolf's seminal works, but also because A Room of One's Own is the bookstore that started the fundraising phenomenon Bookstores Against Borders. Not to brag, but I got to talk to Gretchen about Room's upcoming campaign regarding voter education, and we also talked about how bookstores can be activist spaces and safe spaces in this age of, shall we say, anxiety. Don't worry about taking notes. The organizations mentioned in this episode are in the show notes. One more thing before we begin. There are a few curse words in this episode. Nothing that'll scar you for life, but if you're listening with small children, be warned. Also be warned that I sat in a wicker chair for this interview, so you may hear that sound a couple of times. Yeah, That's where I wanted to start, or go eventually, but let's start with how you came to A Room of One's Own. Sure. Um, So I'm one of the people who now owns the store as of a year and a half ago ish. Um, but I've been working here since January, 2007. So wow. yeah, <laughs> it's been a minute, <laughs> um, in various roles, most like I, you know, was a very part-timer at first and then I kind of rose through the ranks. I was the event coordinator for a long time. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in thinking that it used to be Canterbury Books and A Room of One's Own, or was it Canterbury and then A Room of One's Own? And I can I can tell the, like, whole thing. Um, so Room started as a little hole-in-the-wall feminist bookstore mm-hmm. in 1975. It was at 317 West Johnson, so it was, mm-hmm. up the, it was a block up. Um, and then some years after that, like 20 years later, they moved down the block to 307 West Johnson, mm-hmm. which is where it was when I started working there. Oh. And then about eight, almost nine years ago, um, in 2012, previous to this, it was Aval's books, which was used books only. Mm -hmm. And so we made, um, we made an arrangement with Ron of Aval's and then with a few other used book vendors. Um, we basically, they're the ones who cycle a lot of the used books through our store. We also buy used books now. We Mm -hmm. kind of do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was really good for us because moving from a space that was like, I think less than half the size of this one to here. Which, again, still huge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it had two rooms. It, it had a door. It was really nice to move into a space that was already chock-a-block full of yeah. used books so that we could just sort of integrate them. We do the Powell's method, so it's used and new together on the shelves. Oh, cool. But before Avals, it was Canterbury Books. And okay. so um, Harvey Trudy owned Canterbury, which was, like, very beloved Mm -hmm. in Madison. They also owned the building that this store was in. Mm -hmm. Um, And they owned the bed and breakfast that was upstairs. I knew there was a bed and breakfast somewhere. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But before Canterbury, it was um, a music performance venue. It's where um, Otis Redding was supposed to play when he crashed in Lake Monona and died. Oh, my Mm -hmm. goodness. Yep, Jimi Hendrix played here. Before all that, it was like a car dealership, and you can still sure. you can <laughs> still see remnants of that in like very weird um, murder basements, which of which we have like three. Three. <laughs> One was not enough. No, no. <laughs> there are parts of the murder basements I have not been inside yet. <laughs> Just like nope, big old never nope. go there. Never go there. Yeah. The more I talk to people, it 
different bookstores, the more I realize that it is, without being a traditional family business like Russ and Daughters or something, mm-hmm. um, it, it bookstores are inherited. It's rare in my travels mm-hmm. to find an independent bookstore that's like, eh, we found this empty space and we just popped up and bought all the books and here we are, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool and not something I... Realize. Well, it's like anybody who just wants to like get into business or like mm-hmm. whatever. This is not. <laughs> you have really got to know this particular industry, and yes. if you're someone who's just interested in like the bottom line or just doing retail in a more like standard sense, mm-hmm. like the margins in books are just not there. Um, what? I know. <laughs> Surprise! Um, which isn't to say you can't make a great run at it with a bookstore. Mm-hmm. You certainly can, but you really have to be willing to do a lot of work and be pretty dedicated to what you're doing and mm-hmm. and dedicated to understanding not just this industry but also your particular customers. Yeah, that's the thing that I think I knew coming in and then, again, talking to everyone on this podcast is really reinforced is that it's, yes, it is the business of selling books, but it is equally the business of being a part of a community, which there is no bottom line, really. It's just... Mm-hmm. How do you relate to individual people, and how do you make your presence valuable to people in a, in that community? Because I spoke to Danny Kane last week um, at the Raven in Lawrence, wow. which was really fun. Did you get to go? I wish. Oh, oh man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Come on, Joanne. Come on, Joanne. No, that's in season two. Oh, I see. I'm going to Hawaii. Can I'm I go too? <laughs> um, no, but he, we did have a, a phone call, which was... Good for this season. It's fine for yeah, this season. No, no, <clears throat> Danny's awesome. Before NPR picks us up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he is, of course, known for his outspokenness on social media and now his zine of indies versus um, How to resist the Amazon. big A. Yeah. Yeah. I think but, we just sold out of ours. Yeah, we have more coming uh-huh. Yeah, on yep. the way. We're, and I mean, we'll have a pile of them for independent bookstore day because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so important to, to educate. I think that's Indeed. another role of a bookstore is in the actual books that we stock, but just in person-to-person interaction, we, for instance, at Mystery to Me, if an author asks us to have an event at the store and they only advertise that you can buy their book online at a certain huge conglomerate, Mm -hmm. um, we'll say we don't don't host authors who don't actively promote that they're available on IndieBound. And no one is ever like, well, you know what? Goodbye. I am sorry I emailed you. Everyone thinks, all of those authors think and tell us, um, I had no idea that that was missing from my website. I'm so sorry. Let me fix it. And they do. So it's mm-hmm. like one person at a time. Yep. Um, but then, wow, what a natural segue this is. <laughs> Bookstores also have the ability to reach masses of people, as you well know, <laughs> from here out of room of one's own. Yep. Would you tell us a little bit about Bookstores Against Borders? Sure. Um, so I, I always, um, make Michonne blush by making sure everyone knows it was their idea. Um, <laughs> they, one of our staff, Michonne Taylor came up to us and said like, Hey, when I used to work as a barista, I would put a tip jar out and it, I would say on it, like, you know, after a big hurricane or something, I would say tips going to benefit whatever relief mm-hmm. organization or, or like going to local, um, food pantry or whatever, mm-hmm. like tips being donated meant I got like five to six times the number of tips. Sure. And can I do something like that? Because, um, for something like races, um, mm-hmm. which is the, they're a group in Texas that work to provide legal assistance to 
people coming across the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was in July that we launched this, so it was late June when they mentioned it to us, um, because we, we don't know how to plan these things. We just do them, <laughs> um, which I'll get to in a second, actually. Um, but we, I talked to my co-owner, Wes, and we were like, you know, we can certainly put out a tip jar. Yes, totally. We want to help. Like, I'm a parent. I have small kids, and, mm-hmm. like, the idea of being separated from them um, is just awful. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't even talk about it. It makes me so upset. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my partners is an immigration lawyer, too, so she, mm-hmm. like, talks a lot about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but we said, you know, this is coming up on our one-year anniversary anniversary of owning the store and um in the past sandy would when we'd have like the store's birthday or something um would do like a 10 15 percent discount like as like mm-hmm. we and people never even like knew about it or noticed it and like 10 or 15 percent doesn't seem like a lot to somebody when they're buying a book yeah mm-hmm. and so like they'd be like oh thanks i guess you know right and we were like how about instead of offering a discount to people because of that we say we're donating that percentage to this organization mm-hmm. races and um, and I was like, I've met a few other booksellers <laughs> in my time. <laughs> yeah, like actually, really not that many because I only started going to Winter Institute recently, and I only made. I'm an introvert, like most of us, and so like, isn't that funny? It's yeah. Right. A sidebar here. <laughs> it just cracks me up that Harlem is my one and only conference I've been to so far, but. Everyone's an introvert. <laughs> exactly, totally. So it's like not only are you working against your own like oh my issues, gosh. like you're working against everyone else. Everyone else, yeah. <laughs> so like, who's making... the least introverted introvert in the room? <laughs> we'll just do whatever you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, which is why Michonne is great. <laughs> anyway, they uh, we we kind of cudged together like we'll call it bookstores against borders. Um, we made a little graphic, and um, I was like, I'll just email like, a couple of my reps and mm-hmm. um, some other bookstores and say, like, hey, we're doing this. It'd be awesome if others would do it, too. Like, you know, you're all welcome to join us. And it was really important to me to have um, there be varying levels of participation yeah. available because, like, we were in a position where we felt like, you know, this is important to us. We're doing well enough. We, like, this is a moment when we might have not made that money that weekend anyway if we were going to offer it as a discount for mm-hmm. this other thing, you know. There were a lot of reasons why it felt very safe to us. We were in a very progressive community with a very progressive audience. Um, But, like, we wanted to make it so that other bookstores could participate in whatever way felt appropriate to them and their, Mm -hmm. you know, like, we wanted to make sure that they kept their agency about how they participated and why and what they did. Um, We ended up getting 166 bookstores (laughs) involved over the course of, like, three weeks, basically. A minute and a half? Yeah, it was... was, (laughs) bonkers also um my mother-in-law was sick and I had to go to Michigan during that weekend so I missed it like I wasn't even here I was so mad I was getting like constant text updates from the (laughs) staff um I mean it was I'm not mad that I went I'm very glad that I went sure sure. yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it was just bad timing um but yeah and we raised I uh I I don't remember what the final number was but it was over 110,000 oh my gosh um donated to races so yeah it was you awesome. must be so proud i'm proud of you i'm proud of us <laughs> yes 
Yeah, um, I mean, like, the thing is, like, I did not expect it to get that big, but also, like, there's part of me that wasn't that surprised. Yeah, like, yes, yeah. Because just booksellers are so passionate, and bookstores are such important sites of community, and I think, I think when you ask people to do some good in a way that they can do it, people step up. It taps into, and I said this on the last episode with Danny, too, because we were... We were fangirling a little bit about bookstores against borders. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Um, he oh, was, I'm sorry. He, that's totally <laughs> okay. fine. Um, this is a book podcast. All right. We're going to use every word we know. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, <laughs> we were both, we had just been talking about how the, I mean, as it relates to Amazon, mm-hmm. there is a sort of assault on human empathy and connection going on mm-hmm. between big corporations and, like, the highest office in the land right now. Mm-hmm. Anything that can fight against that deadening of the soul is so important. Mm -hmm. And what better place than bookstores? I mean, maybe libraries, but bookstores, right? (laughs) Bookstores. Well, libraries are often constrained by um, being public. Yes. You know, like we had the ability to move very quickly because it was just. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, if I had to, I could just make a choice. Yes. Just me. And I wouldn't because I respect my co-owner. <laughs> and, now and, it's on record. That's good. And they have really good ideas and um, are also a good foil to me where I'm like, let's do the thing. And they're like, what about some, like, logistics? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. like that kind of thing, um, which is great. But, like, we have that ability to move quickly. We knew that our our audience would reward that taking that kind of moral, ethical stance, yeah. we think. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was great. We were able to donate a ton of money that weekend and feel great about it. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Well, and the money piece, I think what's so, not accidentally is not the right word, but just uh, serendipitously perfect about that campaign being launched from bookstores is that the reality is if you're in a bookstore, you have a little bit of extra money to just, mm-hmm. like, throw away on a book. Not throw away, invest. Mm-hmm. But and then what is an extra $5? And then when you've done $5, what's an extra 10 to make sure that a three-year-old isn't taken away from their mother or something? Mm-hmm. Um, or if they are, they're reunited. Right, exactly. <laughs> not and, adopted out to some white family. Oh, my <laughs> That's not this podcast. Sorry. That's, that's our other podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, that's a perfect community to tap into because these are people, people who read books, people who go to bookstores, people who own bookstores are naturally inclined to feel something for other people and mm-hmm. want to help. In, and uh, even if it's a small way, it feels good to leave the bookstore, not only with your new book, but knowing that you helped. Mm-hmm. Can I um, plug our next project? Please. I was going to ask you. Um, so it's 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard. There's presidential election. Here or? Coming up in this country. I was I was too busy getting distracted by picking who that person's going to be. <laughs> well, let's hope. Um, oh, Lord. Oh, man. Again, that's not the that other podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of my thing. I was like, okay, we're going to actually put a little more thought and a little more planning. It's not quite ready to launch, mm-hmm. but we are launching it next month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be called From Books to Ballots, and it's... Um, We've got, like, a book club we're designing, and we're just basically trying to, like, get together resources for people to help people, like, figure out whether they are registered and, like, oh, get awesome. information, be, like, basically a a help meet for organizations that are doing um, voter education mm-hmm. and ideally, like, highlighting 
authors and speakers who are doing other types of outreach on the subject of like election laws, voting rights, yeah. um, citizenship, mm-hmm. kind of more broadly defined. Um, so yeah, we're we're still working on a lot of what that means, but. Mm-hmm. I have an intern, my first intern. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, I joke that my dog is my intern. <laughs> so we both have an intern now. Nice. Congratulations <laughs> Thank to you us. so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of our, our new thing. Um, we're we're getting it getting it together. but So it's not in support of any particular candidate. It's just about voter education, like voting rights education. Yeah, I've had conversations with... Um, a couple people from the League of Women Voters mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to know, like, are there rules about, like, how you position yourselves? Because we are very overtly a progressive business. Um, it's true. I don't know yeah. if you've <laughs> walked in our store or not, but we are. <laughs> um, so I wasn't going to do anything where we have to be, like, completely neutral because that's just not us. Yeah. Um, and I am certainly for everyone voting, even if they're going to vote against my interests, but I'm also for, like, trying to do what we can to get a more progressive option. Yeah, nice. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, And, like, I think what the progressive cause needs is more people to come out and vote. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, our audience is probably primarily comprised of people who if they are eligible to vote are doing so Mm -hmm. but may not in some Mm -hmm. cases um and also those people are probably in positions where they are in contact with other people who if they did vote might vote for candidates that we would find more amenable Mm -hmm. um so yeah we're not necessarily going to be like we're the you know democrat Mm -hmm. ones (laughs) (laughs) this is why I have an intern to figure this stuff out Um, but like we are definitely like we don't want to have Trump again it's true yeah I think that in this election cycle anyway again this is kind of dipping into our other podcast Mm but as far as a space goes to have these conversations um, taking a stand against what you don't believe in and not seeking to be a neutral space is radical Mm -hmm. and I think we need some radical movements well, right it now. Goes, it goes back to the question you kind of posed at the beginning of this conversation, which is what is a safe space mm-hmm. and what makes a space activist and or safe? Um, I'm, I come from the internet, and so <laughs> we've been having conversations about um, safe spaces and trigger warnings and fandom well before it hit academia. I so I'm like, you know, a safe space hipster about it. But, like, I really think that... For especially now, the the context that we're talking about here in a bookstore, um, in this political climate, you cannot be neutral. You, it's just Im- like a impossible. It's irresponsible. And exactly, it is also irresponsible. And so, there's no way to make any space completely safe because mm-hmm. any human being can, accidentally or intentionally, do something wrong, mm-hmm. um, or hurt another person. In some way. But you can try to set expectations of how people behave, and you can try to weigh the needs and options that are available to you. Like, I can talk a little bit about, we've, we have endless conversations here about our bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, do Can I go into it? By all means. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's why I'm here. I don't know. I'm here what, to talk about your bathrooms. Uh, great. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we have inherited an old building, and it has... It used to have a cafe in it, mm-hmm. and um, due to 
code at the time, the bathrooms have multiple stalls Mm -hmm. because it was such a big space. And when you are serving food in such a big space, you need to have X number of toilets. I don't even know what they are. Um, Anyway, so we have this sort of legacy that we've inherited of like a men's room with some urinals and a women's room with two stalls. Okay. Um, We have non-binary staff, Mm -hmm. self-included. We hate that it's like women's room and men's room. Mm -hmm. Um, The remodel to like make single, like single person bathrooms would be prohibitively expensive. Again... Not made of money. Yeah. Money's not in book world. <laughs> nope. Um, and also, like, we're like, well, c- yeah, there's just lots of lots of reasons why that's a difficult decision. Sure. Um, and it's one we have just not been in a position to make yet. Yeah. So we tried for a minute putting up signs that are basically like, use whatever bathroom feels comfortable to your gender. Mm-hmm. Um, this one that this sign is on has urinals and it has a baby changing table. This sign doesn't have urinals and has a baby changing table Mm -hmm. like so that people have information but we had like people who we have lots of tourists come through including people who don't speak english or read english oh sure um so we had a few moments where like people went in the wrong wrong quote uh, bathroom um the urinals are right there when you enter the men's room ah and we also had an incident with a young child Mm. Like, a little girl was looking for the bathroom, and she walked right in. Mm-hmm. A little man was peeing, and it was a problem. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's not a position we want to put anyone in. No, of course not. So there's not, like, a perfect, like, hey, we're going to make a non-binary accessible right. bathroom. But we can put up signs that say, basically, don't be a dick. <laughs> Use whichever bathroom you want. This one is historically men. Uh-huh. Um, if you see someone in here that you're not sure what gender they are, not your business. Yeah, don't <laughs> basically. worry about it too much. Um, <laughs> and we're not going to tolerate any harassment. Yeah. So, like, kind of circling back, we we can't make it a perfectly safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, to some extent, there are competing... I, I don't really want to say that there are competing needs, but um, there are just, like... There's no perfect answer, basically. Yeah. Um, and there are certainly concerns that, like, you know a parent of a child mm-hmm. wants to be able to just send their kid to the bathroom. Of course. <laughs> Without incident. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we try to have like as thoughtful conversations about that sort of thing as we can, or like, you know, what we're putting on display in the store and where mm-hmm. and how and why. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we're moving this section over here, does that feel too much like we're like shoving this topic into a corner like yep. like the physical space of the bookstore we or are we capitalizing on a trend or right. a popular conversation yeah. right yep so yeah that's a big thing yes well i think the key is just what you said it's being intentional and thoughtful about it so mm-hmm. that it's not uh, a vice let's say mm-hmm. to not get it right but you tried mm-hmm. and you are actively trying i mean the other thing is that it's it must be flexible whatever activism you're engaged in I love what you said to go back about Bookstores Against Borders having sort of tiers of involvement that you could have mm-hmm. because you can't, and not everybody can swim in the same pool, you mm-hmm. know? Um, there have to be multiple levels of entry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that and that was the big criticism of the Women's March, right? Like the first iteration of it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can drop what they're doing and go to Washington D.C. Right. Not everybody wants to wear one of those hats. Like mm-hmm. there must be thought put into how we include people. The vice is when you're careless about it and you don't mm-hmm. even consider it. But it sounds like that's not. Or when you react <laughs> poorly when you get criticized. Even if you don't apologize profusely, I think sometimes it can go over the top, too. Of like, oh It boy. can be very performative. Yes, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I always, I'd, I'm sort of practical at heart, and like we've mm-hmm. already established, an introvert. I don't like to hear myself talk. Much you as, won't be listening to this. Much as you <laughs> <laughs> may read otherwise into how I speak. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a lot of learning how to listen and trying to like get your ego out of the way and I I struggle with that all the time obviously like I'm very opinionated and I Mm -hmm. think like there should be like right action and right way to like handle things um there isn't always and recognizing that there isn't a perfect way forward Mm -hmm. we're gonna try this or we're gonna try that it might not work um but continuing to have those conversations and I try also to thank people for bringing concerns to me mm-hmm. um i've we have such a good staff mm-hmm. and such a thoughtful staff um who we try really hard to ask them like hey if you see something that is pinging you wrong about like a display we have mm-hmm. or a plan we have like please let us know like we are just two people you know right <laughs> <laughs> like, we and I have small children and I don't sleep very well. (laughs) We just do not, we, we cannot be perfect. There's no way. And so we rely on the expertise of our staff to like not only do things like keep our store running and hand sell books and like read more books than I could possibly read on my own. Um, but also to like help keep us honest and help Mm -hmm. keep our mission like focused Mm -hmm. and careful. Yeah, and have an awareness, not to put words in your mouth, but mm-hmm. we have, I think that's at every bookstore, it's certainly at ours, of like, what what's the pulse on everything outside of just our bookstore, mm-hmm. whether it's our immediate neighborhood or the city or the, re- the nation, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we're starting to try to talk about, too, is like, who don't we see in our store? Mm-hmm. And we have this conversation all the time. Yeah, and <laughs> and really, I think that our like our audience's demographic is slowly changing in part due to like we are trying very overtly to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some things that we can't directly impact. Like, you know, as a parent, it's really hard to get my kids downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, parking is shitty. Yeah. Um, so the fact that we don't get a lot of kids in here, it's especially just... low-income families. Right. Um, so we try to find different ways to partner with organizations who are helping literacy in those communities like mm-hmm. we work with the Madison Reading Project a lot so do we yeah they're yeah. great um I saw too on your arc shelf here you work with the jail library project we do the same yeah or something similar we, we have three jail projects actually that we work with there's this one this is attached to the um UW School of mm-hmm. Library of Science um and that's about the libraries within the jails in Dane County mm-hmm. there's also Wisconsin Books to Prisoners that's the one we do yeah and then there's also the LGBT Books to Prisoners which is no that's group. the one we do <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> um which is like 
on its face, a really great way for us to get rid of arcs. <laughs> um, we give them as many arcs as they'll take mm-hmm. and tell them to recycle whatever they don't use. Yeah. Because um, it hurts to throw away a book, even if it's an arc. Right. <laughs> right. Someone could be reading that. Well, and like arcs, a lot of the stuff that is just not really our jam might be theirs. hundred you know? percent. Like yeah. the really commercial thrillers or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. I love to think about every book and every song I hear, no matter how like corny or whatever it is and not for me. Someone in the world, it's their favorite book or mm-hmm. their favorite song There's, or whatever. Yeah, it's like, that's kind of how I approach book selling. Two people ask me, like, well, what book should everyone read? And I'm like, there's no book that everyone not, should read. There Not isn't. a single one. <laughs> um, there's what book is right for that person Absolutely. in that moment. Yep. Um, I've certainly, there are books that have changed my life that now, looking back at them, I'm like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't important to me at the time, and it doesn't mean it's necessarily not still important to some people at certain places. This episode of Open Books was recorded on-site at A Room of One's Own in Madison, Wisconsin. If you're a Madisonian, or you're ever in the Madison area, make sure you go pay them a visit. And if you're not going to be in Wisconsin anytime soon, don't worry. You can find A Room of One's Own online at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and on their website, roomofonesown.com. From Books to Ballots is launching in March, so go sign up for their newsletter to stay in the loop for all things election 2020. Open Books is produced by me, Charlotte Colaluca, out of Mystery to Me, also in Madison. You can find us online on Facebook and Instagram and at our website, mysterytomebooks.com. If you know someone who loves bookstores as much as we do, tell them about this show. It also helps us if you rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, no episode of the show would be complete without 15 seconds of Jane. So, well, actually, I forgot to record her again. So I'm just going to talk about Jane for 15 seconds. Ready? If you've ever been in our store, you've probably asked for a recommendation in a genre the bookseller on duty knew nothing about. And so they called into the ether, hey, Jane, and out came Jane to make a perfect recommendation for you out of thin air. I can't possibly oversell just how talented and in tune she is with the reading public. Getting a book recommended to you by Jane is what I must feel like when I get sorted into the sorting hat on the first day of Hogwarts. Wow, that is so much harder than I give her credit for.